any good stories from the road and pipe up i wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter i'm starting to puke it makes my stomach hurt yeah. i thought he was gonna die i'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit he's on the probiotics is georgia playing the 1985 bears this weekend or what a lot of todd 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 talk that poison proof they're mongeese we will not be hunted at the university of georgia i can promise you that the hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction Hey, y'all. So we got a few of uh, the dogs out there in Dog Nation watching the Georgia show on a Sunday night. Just because there's no game week doesn't mean that Jake Rowe and Palmer Toms aren't around to talk about this team with me. And Palmer, I'm going to start with you, my man. You're like the urban cowboy. Made it back (laughs) from the Big Apple, the Windy City. I I think they call it that, the City of Lights. How was the Heisman ceremony, man? It was fun. It was really fun. Uh, you know, cool, obviously a cool time to go up there. Um, you know, the holiday season, the way that the city celebrates that and lights up and, um, you know, obviously, obviously a lot of people there, um, our Uber driver on the way in told us that we might be coming at the worst time of year. If you're trying to avoid people that he said the, uh, the post new year's lull is probably the best time of year to come uh, and, and try and avoid the touristiness of it. But we were tourists in the big apple, um, the big city of New York, and it was super fun. Um, you know, got to stay in, in times square, um, got to explore, um, in and around Manhattan. Um, and obviously the man of the hour there, um, talked to him a couple times, um, you know, it, it was cool cause it was a smaller group of us there. Um, no offense to, everybody on the beat, but it's, it's a lot nicer when, when, you know, he doesn't feel overwhelmed. Um, he, he actually welcomed us and, and, you know, said that he was happy to see us because, uh, you know, he gets a little bit of homesickness. And, and so to see a couple of familiar faces, um, there were five, six of us up there that cover Georgia, um, you know, and, and so we had a good time. Um, obviously Stetson comes home empty handed, but as I wrote in my column, my post New York column that posted, um, from live from LaGuardia airport, uh, no, no Heisman, no shame. Uh, still a lot of be, lot to be proud of. If you're Stetson Bennett, if you're a fan of Stetson Bennett, uh, if you're somebody who covers Stetson Bennett. Yeah. I said, uh, beforehand that I wasn't going to be surprised with any outcome just because Stetson, at this point, to me, he can't surprise me, whether that's good or bad. Luckily for Dogs fans, over the last several games of this season, it's been a good thing. Uh, but what was the attitude of Stetson and you know, just the whole Georgia crew, I guess? I, I mean, I don't think too many Georgia fans are surprised that he didn't win it. I did love to see the tenacity – the stick up for the mailman, even after a lot of those people probably doubted him at games uh, in his career uh, in a Georgia uniform in years past. And as recently as last season, maybe even this season, if it took you a while to come around, um, I did appreciate seeing Georgia fans stick up for him, even if, you know, maybe realistically they knew Caleb Williams and that fingernail polish were ultimately going to hoist the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it was cool to see, um, you know, the entire fan base 
Um, you know, Jordan Hill, who I was spending a lot of the weekend with, we were both up there. Um, he and I were joking that, you know, it, it wasn't the Georgia football social media account. It was the Stetson Bennett fan page social media account. Um, felt like that that was the only content we were seeing, and and rightfully so. Um, like you said, it was cool to see everybody come together to back Stetson. Um, you know, obviously there were a lot of national naysayers there, um, you know, thinking that he didn't deserve to be um, on ballots, didn't deserve to, you know, most namely didn't deserve to make the trip to New York that they thought Hendon Hooker did. That's not, it's, it's not a subjective thing. It's a, you know, top four vote getters get to go to New York. So, um, you know, how many people vote on that? Eight thousand something. I mean, less than a thousand, but but more than more than you know, just a couple. I think it's like nine hundred thirty-five. I was gonna go eight hundred something. So, yeah. I mean, I I think um, you know, it was it was cool to see. Um, obviously he he earned his place there. Um, you know, he wouldn't have been there had he not been top four in voting. Uh, you know, finishes fourth among the four finalists. Not terribly surprising there um like you said Wes I I really didn't know what to expect we were um I didn't I did not think he would win it I thought that I I thought it was Caleb Williams to lose and and ultimately he uh you know took home the trophy I thought Stetson Bennett the fourth literally yeah yeah I I thought Max Duggan was gonna you know give Williams the most yeah man uh the the votes that Duggan got Maybe the most surprising thing on the ballot to me. I don't know about you guys. No, no, not really. I mean, I was, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of thought that he was going to give the most pushback to Williams uh, for that top spot, um, just looking at the way other awards have gone. So, um, you know, Stetson in my mind was was bound for third or fourth, and obviously finishes fourth. Um, but overall, um, uh, you know, weekend, a season, a career to celebrate. Um, and, and a really cool way to do it for him, you know, this far into his collegiate career, obviously, you know, he, he got asked the legacy question, um, you know, Hey, how do you want to be remembered at Georgia? And he's not done yet. Exactly. And and he said that he he's, he's got some hadn't thought about it. Wasn't going to think about it. All he's thinking about now is, is onto the Buckeyes. Uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson had a tweet last night pretty much as soon as Caleb Williams won it. He said, you know, proud of you, 13, but we got more work to do. And uh, Stetson spoke about that when y'all had a chance to talk to him, Palmer. And uh, he brought up the fact that he and A.D. Mitchell need to get back on track. And, Jake, you've been hounding Kirby about A.D. status uh, over the last several weeks. It now seems like with Stetson's comments there, I don't think they're really hiding too much. You saw him throw the two-point conversion in the SEC championship game. It uh, feels like a month ago now with all the Heisman stuff that we've been uh, filtering through over the last few days. But that's uh, got to be a very encouraging uh, drop there from Stetson talking about the first thing he needs to do is get back on the same page as A.D. Mitchell. You know, going into that Heisman uh, presentation last night, I was watching the replay of the Georgia LSU game. Um, I guess kind of conveniently forgotten in that game because so much happened after that was 
AD's first target since hurting himself was – I mean, they, they tried to go to him on a little whip route in the in the uh, red zone there. Got tangled so, up a little bit. Uh, yeah, got tangled uh, up on his own feet. down. Yeah, slipped down. It was the same play that he scored on at Auburn last year. Uh, he twisted up Roger McCreary and uh, scored on that play last year. So he is a, uh, you know, he, he's a guy, he's special. I mean, he, he's a special part of this offense. I don't want to say he's like one of the best receiver in the country. Stetson went as far as almost to say that, um, you know, a few weeks ago, but he's a special piece of this offense because he kind of, he kind of unlocks some things uh, on the outside and, and things Georgia can do um, as far as spacing and, 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 you know, keeping things off of Darnell Washington, off of Brock Bowers, makes the run game better. He's a good blocker. Um, so I think all of those things are, are very big, and he's going to be juiced for these last couple of games here because, um, you know, he, he's a guy that ha- has had to kind of sit there and watch it happen all season long. It's been a very, very tough recovery for him, and he's back now. And not only is he going to get a chance to kind of rest it, um, but he's also going to get a chance to kind of uh, be the fresh legs that uh, Kendall Milton has been for Georgia late in this season, late in the regular season. Um, AD can kind of provide that for him at the receiver position in the playoffs. Uh, so I think that we've had an opportunity to separate ourselves from the SEC championship. We really want to look at Ohio State, and we will uh, as the show goes on. But I'm curious for you, Jake. Um, hope hope you're still with us. Uh, Palmer, too, I know the past week's been crazy for y'all. But just looking back, some of those things that, you know, just about Georgia, not just the matchup with Ohio State, but what are some reflections, maybe some shower thoughts you've had about the dogs if you're still thinking about the team as much as you are on a game week? I know I am. Uh, I'm excited for this Peach Bowl. As far as Georgia's concern, what are some of the end-of-the-year storylines that you maybe expect Georgia to tweak, adjust, or if they're working well, continue going into the playoff? I think it starts with pressure, uh, you know, for me. Uh, going back and watching, I think, Wes, you mentioned it, that 60, that Georgia 60 or whatever for the SEC yeah. championship game. Um, you know, Kirby came back to the sideline at one point in that game and said, uh, he's got all day to throw back there, guys. Um, you know, we saw what Georgia kind of dialed up for Tennessee, and they did it in two separate waves. I think you're going to see something similar against Ohio State. I think Georgia's going to be really um, – one good things about one good thing about coaching defense is, and listen, I I coached a little ball in high school, all right. And there's so much more, there's so much more that goes into what they do. But I will say this, and I think this kind of universally rings true. Palmer played ball in high school, so I think he would probably agree with this. Wes, you did too. It's easier to install something new on defense than it is offense. Like it's easier to put in a blitz or to put in a wrinkle or to change. You know, um, okay, instead of, instead of bringing the nickel, we're going to bring the strong safety um, and overload on the left instead of the right or, you know, something. It's easier to do that because you can you can fit that. and You don't have to have the timing of anybody else. You don't have to get anybody else's on the same page as you necessarily. You kind of just have to do your job. Well, on offense, you've got to, <clears throat> you've got to rep it with these receivers and you've got to work on this protection and you've got to do all these different things. Whereas, you know, you can put new things in during walkthrough 
and kind of master them or at least get them to the point where you can use them and use them well. I also think the standard of use is, uh, is a little lower. Um, but you can you can do those things, and and I think that that's something that you're going to see a lot out of Georgia, um, you know, as they go to spring practice slash fall camp style practices um, for probably about a week before um, the game prep begins. Yeah, uh, I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning of that. When you say that Georgia rolled something out in two waves against Tennessee, I think that's a, a great point. Because it wasn't just we're going to keep dialing up the same thing. We're going to, you know, Georgia made it look interesting, but also they haven't really done that from whistle to whistle in any game since. So I I feel like your prediction that Georgia could do something similar probably uh I would think spot on because they haven't really put much of that many of those tendencies for an entire game unless I'm just not paying attention. That well, game was different. It, it was. And and what I will say to that is Georgia all season long, for better or for worse, has played up and down to its competition. Um, and, and in that Tennessee game, they knew the challenge that was ahead of them. They played up to their competition. They, they, they rose to the occasion um, and, and they were excited to play. Um, I think we saw that in the first half of the SEC championship game. Um, we, uh, we've seen it at, in spurts. Um, you know, it hasn't, you, I think what you've seen is you, in that Tennessee game, you saw a, a full 60 minute effort, uh, because of the opponent, because of the occasion you didn't, I wouldn't say you didn't see a 60 minute effort against LSU, but it was not their best 60 minute effort. Well, it was almost um, like Jake, you mentioned, I think the last time we spoke, uh, Georgia changed some things up schematically in that game, too. Kirby right? said that, too. Uh, he said that after the game. He said they did some things different. I also think you had some players looking for look, – I mean, they were ready for the celebration. You know, they were like yeah. me at the end of an NCAA football season on uh, on the uh, on the old PS3 back in dynasty the day. mode. Yeah, you get to the you get dynasty mode, you get on the national championship game. Who play, cares about the national championship game? Let's get this class signed. Yeah, you you've <laughs> taken you've taken the Akron Zips from yeah. uh, nowhere to uh, a college football dynasty and you've you've just put your blood, sweat and tears into it for the last two decades of video yeah. game life. And I've got a and I've got a unicorn corner that I have recruited. He's this number yeah. two player in the country, Roosevelt Hollis, six foot four, <laughs> one hundred ninety eight pounds, best cornerback in the country. He's a little thin, he's a little light, but he's a stud. Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, Roosevelt Hollis went on to have uh, forty seven picks in his career at uh, at Wake Forest. And, okay, that's uh, what I was gonna say. Were you Wake transfer. Forest? Yeah, I was Wake Forest. Yeah, I had a and, dude. Let me tell you something. I had an absolute beast of a dynasty built Roos. Maybe one of these days, Roos and I are going to do a podcast, and we're going to do a lot of talking about these dynasties that we used to build uh, on the uh, on the uh, Xbox or whatever. I think it was an Xbox, but yeah, built Wake Forest, man. Wake Forest into a power uh, with Roosevelt Hollis, perennial powerhouse. Yeah, who who was his team? I don't know. Michigan State. I think he had Michigan State. There was a pit in there too. I, I can't help but look at him, and I did the same thing. Okay. But I'm I'm just being objective here. When you start off with a Power Five program of that ilk, it's not the same. It's almost I don't feel like it's what they created Dynasty Mode to be. 
Like well, you're I mean, supposed to I like take grabbing them. the underdog from the power yes. five level, you know, because then you don't have to then you don't all right, listen, I can take the Akron zips and I can win. But I'm my gonna, roommate did Akron. That's why Akron was but the it's first gonna be, one to it's, come to mind. Let's be honest. For me, at least, there's some guys with better skill than myself, and we, we got to get off this because nobody cares about how we play video games. Uh, that's fine. But like, there are people who game week. Nobody, nobody wants to hear about your fantasy team. Nobody, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> um, but there are probably people with better skills than me. But if the worse my team was, the more I was going to have to lean on one or two plays to move the football because it was just – it's just hard, you know. It's hard to score points. You can you can put together defense and make it hard for teams to score on you in the red zone and have to kick field goals, but but you know figuring out a way to put points up if you got one of those bad um, <laughs> mid major teams is hard. So you have to just sit there and lean on like two plays, you know, audibles, quick slants, and like clear everybody out one route, max protect, all that stuff. So, uh, but but to the point, to the point. You know, they were like we used to. That's be. the kind of celebration they were having. They were ready to get some. They were ready to get on to something else, and that something else was celebration, mental break, and and honestly, I think they smelled that coming. I, I and I say that because you know, again, you guys played. I remember that bye week, and whenever you played high school ball, and you knew that off Monday, off day on Monday was coming. Um, I just I remember Friday night if we had a lead before a bye week, I was just like. Oh, my God, I cannot wait. I don't have to do this on Sunday. I don't, you don't have to even do know what to do Monday. with yourself. Yeah. So that's just kind of the way I felt about it. Um, I don't think you're too far off base there. Speaking of uh, the SEC championship and celebrating, our friends over at Breaking Tea, what did I tell y'all? They're pros. I said they would be in the lab working on a new drop. And what did they do? They did exactly what I said. Thank you, uh, Uncle Glenn Hartley, for getting us back on track. By the way, I saw that Go Dogs as we were getting way too deep in the weeds <laughs> on NCAA football talk. But here's uh, the breaking tea reveal, I guess, on the YouTube channel. Look at the mailman. Is it uh, merch nut, drop, mic drop, nut drop, December? Uh, not bad for a walk on. Some cool stuff, some cool stats and stuff. And. All the same great gear we've had all season. Mailman, Field of Bowers, uh, Savage Pads, and the Big O. By the way, guys, uh, Notre Dame fans are really coming after us, mainly, mainly me. I'm the one that's been sending the tweets. No, they've been getting after me too, dude. But the Michael, Michael Meyer? Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer. Mayer. I'm not like disrespecting the guy, but can we not see like – all this award season stuff. That's what that's what's made this week feel so long is all these weird award season storylines. And the Brock Bowers deal winning the Mackey Award was almost as uh, defensive and heated as Stetson getting into the Heisman Final Four over Hendon Hooker. Well, it's just crazy how like the numbers don't compare. And I'm like, well, are you are you looking at total yardage here? Because one of those tight ends. It's such a big-time weapon they hand in the football. Would I have been pissed off if they had given Michael Mayer? Absolutely not. I would not have no. stumped for Brock Bowers at all. I didn't stump for him going into the award because I understood there's a tight end out there that's just as, you know, just as productive in the passing game. Um, you know, and, and, and Bowers is used differently. He's a focal point of defensive game plans in a lot of instances. And Georgia refuses to force feed him the football. Um, I saw a stat somebody had, and I should have saved it, um, about it was a uh, – it was talking about um, Michael Mayer and, and Bowers. Um, 
you know, Bowers did much more yards per target, much more than, than Mayer did because uh, Georgia does not force him the football. It looks like Stetson forces him the ball sometimes, and I think that's just because, I mean, hell, you get through, you get a couple series in and 19 hasn't had one thrown his way. You got to do one out of obligation just to, you know, keep everybody happy. But, I mean, ultimately, Bowers won the award because he – I mean, he's he's a freak show, and he's a better football player than Michael Mayer. You can say not a better pure tight end, John Mackey tight end. I don't care. I wouldn't have cared who won the award. Yeah. Um, really, but I, but I really, who cares that Bowers' much. ability to win it? Yeah, I mean, look, what do Worthy. any of these awards come down to? It's the same thing as the Heisman. It's the most outstanding, whatever. Heisman's most outstanding football player, quarterback. The the Mackey's <laughs> the most outstanding tight end, and to me, it's not best tight end stats. Like just. Yeah, just run all those numbers through a computer and make it the BCS awards process. No one ever has to vote. And if that's what people want it to be, then fine. But that's what makes uh, the college football award season so great right now is the internet and college football fan bases that are incredibly passionate about a handful of guys. And obviously Notre Dame fans are very passionate about Mayer because the whole offense basically runs through him. And he is carrying a load. For the Irish, so I get that, but uh, but Bowers is just watch him catch the football, man. I, I mean, you can tell when there's a defense that isn't quite expecting it, a couple of DBs that maybe haven't played against him before, and he gets that first couple steps that burst on him, and they're just shocked that he can explode with the ball in his hands that quickly. He's a different kind of cat, but that's uh, that's my Brock Bowers soapbox, all right. Let's get on to the Buckeyes. Um, we had a question from Matthew C. a little bit earlier on our message board uh, about Georgia going up against the Buckeyes. Jake Yard gave us a little bit of a tease. But what are some things that you think uh, Georgia fans should be looking out for if the dogs are really hammering this? You could see them getting the better of the Buckeyes on New Year's Eve. I mean – I think the see when you're really good. I think that that one of the benefits of being really good is you you kind of narrow the scope of what you need to do to win. And for Georgia, I think week in week out, it's it's run the ball, stop the run. Well, one of those they're extremely good at, but you can't. There's nothing you can take as a given, and that's stopping the run. Alabama was elite at stopping the run in 2015, and Zeke Elliott lit them up. So, you know, that's something you kind of have to – maybe – was it 2015? Um, 14. 14. First 14. year of the playoff. 2014 well, season. Uh, give me – you gave me three guesses and I missed the first two. So, uh, there were three possibilities. Uh, anyway, so Zeke Elliott lights them up. And, and you know, Georgia can't have that happen. So, if it comes into this game and it stops the run and it runs the ball well, I think it beats Ohio State. I mean, I think that's just – I think the term I use sometimes is silver bullet. I think that's the that's the silver bullet in this game. Run the ball, stop the run. Um, you know, but but Ohio State's got different ways that can hurt you. And CJ Stroud's been on that stage, that Heisman stage, a couple times now. Um, you know, you can debate about what he is under pressure, what he is. I think the, the opponent deserves respect. Marvin Harrison's really good. I can't pronounce the other wide receiver's name. Also, extremely good. Yeah, Harrison uh, is just unreal, dude. Yeah, he makes some of the most insane catches. But I will go say watch that. a highlight reel. I know if you're a Georgia fan, you probably haven't watched a ton of Ohio State this season. 
but he's the real deal. You know, he's he's a George Pickens esque, maybe not quite as fast as George Pickens. And God knows I wouldn't have said that this time last year. I was one of those idiots that didn't think George would run well, and he did. Um, but I think, you know, he's probably not going to run quite as well as George Pickens did, make some of those catches. In on one hand, those guys, those guys ultimately they scare defensive coordinators so much that they just stop thinking about them because they're like, all right, listen, I'm not gonna be able to do a whole lot about this cat to to scheme him up yeah. because he's going to make all these catches in tight coverage. You know, like we can cover him as tightly as we want to, and we're going to do that the best we can, the defensive back coach says. But at the end of the day, he's going to make plays. He's just better with the ball in there than most guys are. And so that's what's going to happen to you. But ultimately, I think keep those guys in front. Don't let them hit the big plays. I think that's where Jackson Smith and Jigba not playing is. And I really believe Georgia, Georgia will, just like it did against Tennessee, eliminate the big play if it stops the run. Yeah, I, I'll I'll start key in on the pressure um, that you talked about earlier, Jake, because Georgia has a freak that we're seeing right there hold up a quarterback in, in Jalen Carter. Um, you know, the ability for him to get pressure up in the middle, force C.J. Stroud out of the pocket, force him, um, you know, make him uncomfortable. Um, you know, we, we all saw the Tennessee game and, and what Hendon Hooker was – um, you know, all season coming into that game versus what he was in that game. Um, you know, when Georgia made him feel like they were there, he was not nearly as good as as he was when he didn't feel like anybody was, you know, up in his grill. Um, and, and so, you know, Jalen Carter, that's that's their way to help out, uh, you know, help out those DBs in, in the tough matchup. Um, you know, if, the, if there's two players that I'm watching on the defensive side of the football, it's Jalen Carter and Keely Ringo. Um, you know, obviously well, Keely is, is going to have the tough matchup. Um, they're going to have yeah. Keely in their sights. And I know a lot of Georgia fans did too. Uh, well-documented on this show. We know it's not just Keely that struggled against LSU. He's had his moments, but a, a lot of it, Jake, you've, uh, educated some, posters on our board and, and in your comments it's not as simple as keely's just getting picked on no. uh if, if you know ball and we're not trying to condescend and, and you're welcome to disagree with our appraisal of what we see out of keely ringo but as you continue to say jake it's a really hard position to play in a really hard league it well, is and, and and the thing i keep coming back to is this I'm not saying he didn't struggle against LSU. Those are those are kind of blown out of proportion a little bit. He had a bad pass interference penalty. He's had a few of those this year. He's gotten picked on at times, and teams are getting the easy stuff off of him at times. No doubt about it. Um, but the 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 whole premise of the whole like come it came to a head in the LSU game. You saw fans, and you saw you know people who do um, breakdown content. Um, over the internet, just kind of fawning over themselves to to start talking about how. See, I told you, Keely Ringo wasn't any good. When the previous week he had allowed like two catches for twenty seven yards against Kentucky, and everybody said he got picked on there too, or two or two catches for thirty seven yards, two seven something like that. It wasn't anything outrageous. Two out of six. He's got the lowest completion percentage against of any Georgia defensive back this season. Any of and, and I guess what I'm saying with with watching Keeley is in a game like this where those receivers, not just Harrison, but Emeka Igbuka, um, there was my best attempt. Um, yeah. 
good effort. The, and 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 you can go further down the line too. I mean, Julian Fleming was a former five star stud Big coming dude. out of high school. Big dude. Um, you know, you you've got those receivers are such a weapon that you have to have your top corner play well. Um, you know, I think if he plays well, everybody else has the ability to rise up around him. And again, that's where I think that creating pressure and, and making CJ Stroud uncomfortable um, CJ Stroud, who, by the way, I really came away from this week, uh, a big fan of just like his personality a lot. Um, probably the, the not shaking uh, Desmond's hand was pretty <laughs> special. That was I, 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 of, of the other three finalists, he was the one that I probably enjoyed hearing from the most. Yeah. Um, just in terms of, I mean, obviously the matchup against Georgia, um, but I think he he had some really good stuff to share as well. Um, and and you could sense the the humbleness that he has, the the humility. Um, well, I think Georgia's defense is going to try to humble him on New Year's Eve. And this is my last thing about the Peach Bowl before we move on to some transfer portal stuff. Uh, when you hear fans say that this is going to be like Georgia is Michigan plus, I don't know if y'all have heard that narrative or, or Michigan is Georgia light. Okay. So therefore you're going to see Ohio state get, get hammered. How uh, accurate do y'all believe that narrative is? And it's not a specific thing at all, not a specific point of the game, but it's a, uh, I guess a vibe about this game, about this matchup. I don't think Georgia's a very good matchup for Ohio State um, because of that reason. It doesn't mean that's the way it's going to go down. Um, you know, there are people who think Ohio State's a bad matchup for Georgia. People think Tennessee was a bad matchup for Georgia. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think Georgia uh, – it, it goes down to, I think, what I've – you know, what I wrote a column about and what I've said on the show a bunch of times is it's kind of in Georgia's hands. Go play your A-plus game, you won't lose to anybody. Or go play your A game and you – probably won't lose anybody a minus game still probably not going to lose anybody just go out yeah. there and play your best ball protect the football don't make mistakes and uh, you know that's easier said than that obviously football is a weird game i mean can you guys can y'all like wrap your head around the number of like one blade of grass between a receiver's foot and the out of bounds line and you know catching no catching um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's week after week. It's over and over. Look and over. at how it's Georgia beat how LSU. I mean, look at the field goal play. Look yeah. at the interception off the helmet. I mean, yeah. these I, these plays are they, they happen. They're real. It's insane how 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 often football delivers that to us. And I say that because, and I say that to to illustrate. Just, I mean, you can't predict it, um, but I do believe if Georgia goes out there and takes care of the ball and and plays well, it's just. It doesn't matter what Ohio State does, and that's not a slight to them. I just think that's just kind of how Georgia's put together and how everything is this year. Ohio State's perfectly capable of beating Georgia, but Georgia's going to have to like not play its best ball to do something, do that, or Ohio State's going to have to figure out a way to, you know, put Georgia in a position not to play its best ball. They got a few weeks to work on some surprises. Um, so Georgia working on some surprises right now, Jake. I know you've been following the Rara Thomas uh, visit, the Mississippi State receiver, and of course, we're getting some news about uh, Coach Mike Leach this evening. Yeah, uh, definitely have Coach Leach in our prayers and our thoughts tonight. I mean, I, I I love that guy, huge respecter of what 
he's brought to the game of football and I know a lot of people appreciate him as well. So um, we'll keep our, uh, keep our eyes on that one, Jake, but um, one of his receivers is visiting the dogs right now as a transfer portal candidate. What's the latest on that guy? Uh, he got in town yesterday. Um, watched, <laughs> I actually watched an Instagram live boy. Where, what am, what am I doing? Palmer's over there covering the Heisman trophy ceremony. <laughs> I've been doing this job a long time. This young bucks over here covering this, you yeah, because you know I was like, I because those it. are just going to grow on trees now. Uh, yeah. That Palmer's on the beat, and I'm and I'm just over here hanging uh, hanging out on Instagram live with Ra Ra Thomas and a <coughs> uh, couple of Dylan Johnson and some former Mississippi State players and listening to Ra Ra talk about uh, Lane Kiffin and how he talks so low he couldn't understand what he was saying most of the time. Not does not bode well for Ole Miss, I don't think. Um, but yeah, he he's in town, and and I think at first, um, you know, I thought he was probably going to be out of there in the morning. I think he's probably going to be there um, into the afternoon. Um, you know, George is probably going to want to try to keep him around as long as they can. Um, they want to keep him uh, forever. Yeah, they probably want to. Yeah, hey, dude, just go ahead and move in. Uh, <laughs> but he did say on that Instagram live that he does have to go pick up his. Uh, his 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 uh slang for stuff um you know his uh mm. you know stuff so uh, he, he, he does have to get back and do that um but once he does that he'll be ready to go i think he's taking an official visit to auburn next weekend um you know i've been checking on some other transfer portal guys not a whole lot out of dante cephas i know that georgia has offered uh, dominic lovett at missouri um, you know, they offered him right away, but then, you know, it kind of never was anything officially announced and that's a little bit outdated at this point. It's about a week old. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I was expecting them to make a move at the other Kent state wide receiver, uh, the Walker kid, uh, I cannot, I keep forgetting his first name. Tez is what he goes by, uh, Tez Walker. He was the one that caught the screen pass and just outran Georgia's defense for a touchdown, uh, the game had over hundred yards receiving against Georgia. Still no contact with Georgia. He's gotten about seven offers, um, and I do believe, based on what I've been told, um, that he would really love to hear from both Georgia and Alabama. We'll see if they do that. But right now, I've got three transfer portal offers out to receivers that I that, that we've confirmed, and that's what about that. um any, anything that you know on the Georgia Tech guy? Um, no, not at all. Uh, I haven't really heard anything there. I know that they're interested. Like I, you know, that was one of the first things that I knew about. They were very. Um, he didn't. He didn't officially go into the portal until later in the week. It, yeah, it had been but I think everybody knew he was going to. I think. Yeah, I think Coach Key probably wanted an opportunity to meet with some of those guys um, after landing that job. Uh, he did decide to go into the portal. Uh, Georgia may pursue there, but but the key here is, and and I know this is being reported elsewhere. We've reported it this way from the jump too. Um, uh, Georgia really wants guys that can play outside, and and I know a lot of fans, guys. I, I, I we got it going on on the board. Is people are like, hey, uh, who are we going? You know, are any of these guys we're report, recruiting out of the portal better than the guys you have? That's not that's not what this is about. Okay, you're you're recruiting dudes that can play right away because I don't think you understand, folks, how how paper thin Georgia was on the practice field this year at receiver because while A.D. Mitchell and Arian Smith were outer limited, guys like Jackson Meeks, Lad McConkey, and all those guys 
uh, you know, Kiaris Jackson had some had some times like this. Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint also had issues like this, where they were they were having to miss portions of or days of practice leading into games to get themselves ready to so they play. Georgia wasn't. I mean, that was a headache for Georgia all season. How long often did practice. we hear Kirby say? We have to literally restrain Lad McConkey yeah. because he every would play week. with one leg. Yeah, <laughs> every we week. Let him. Yeah, and he's just out there. He's out there going at it. And Georgia really wants to bring in a couple of guys that are ready to play right now that can that can kind of give them a boost and deepen that receiving core. And you know, you you just don't really you haven't really had that consistency on the outside. Uh, you know, one of my uh, one of my initial thoughts is, and listen, I haven't heard any insight on this. But I think that if Georgia could get a Ra Ra Thomas and a Dante Cephas or a, or a Tez Walker or even a Grant Dubose or a Dominic Lovett, that they would feel a lot more comfortable working Lad McConkey back inside at the slot receiver position. And, you know, kind of it makes them a little more fluid in terms of position swapping, mixing, matching personnel to get, um, you know, some of their most dangerous packages on the field. And I think that that's a huge part of it as well. Uh, one point that I'd be remiss to uh, skip out on before we move on to our dog stocks and wrap this thing up. Todd Munkin got a lot of airtime, a lot of publicity during his own uh, awards season run for the Broyles. Didn't win it, but we got to hear from that guy. And he's one of a kind, man. And what he's doing with Georgia's offense is generationally special as well. And you bring in some transfer uh, portal dudes and he's still around then you're looking at, again, uh, an evolution to this Georgia offense that is pretty scary. Now, that's the caveat, though. Do y'all anticipate a big push for Munkin as a head coach this offseason, regardless of what happens uh, with the dogs? I mean, I I think some teams are going to be interested, but if you're Todd Munkin, he walked away from Southern Miss for a reason. And I'm not saying that he's not he doesn't he wouldn't want a head job or he if he got the right NFL in OC job he's gone he's gone all right I I I think if Jim Harbaugh would have got the Vikings that feels job like the last threat. year yeah I think if Jim Harbaugh would have gotten the Vikings job last year that you might have seen Todd Munkin go as OC. Um, so I had heard Jay, that. let me ask this because this is always something that I've I've thought about that situation is an NFL is is the instability of an NFL OC job and and just working in the league in general is that more desirable to somebody who is 56 than the stability that we know he's got at Georgia i mean that they, they're paying him as the top, highest paid assistant in the country uh you know gave him a contract extension they want him here. There's no doubt about that. I well, think what's, if, if what's you the go book into, on him though is that he he doesn't stay places too long. And I'm not saying that he just has this bug and, and wants to leave, but that's part of his resume. I guess a lot what of coaches are like is, that. I, yep. I guess what I'm just saying is to me, the the stability that you have at Georgia, you're not getting fired anytime soon. Uh assuming you handle your business, you know properly um getting fired doesn't scare these guys man most of them anyway and and it definitely shouldn't getting fired is not the guy's the highest paid assistant coach in college football right now he goes to the nfl getting fired from the nfl is not going to worry him because a he's loaded all right he's got enough money to you know to burn a wet mule as mm-hmm. it is 
And two, uh, he um, he's going to get hired by somebody. I mean, he'll get hired by somebody just to be an analyst. And if yeah. he just wants to twiddle, I mean, it, he gets to figure out how much he wants to get back in the game if he hits. The, but again, I mean, he—I don't know how he feels about Athens. I, you know, Todd Monk has been a tough egg to crack. You—you you get to know some of these coaches, um, you know, pretty pretty well through people that know them, and they'll tell you, well, oh yeah, you know, he does this, or I talked to him about this or that. You don't hear a whole lot from Todd Monkin, man. There's I mean, nothing that's like personal, yeah, that comes well, out about that guy. It's. He has a very colorful vocabulary. He and he's very particular standing. about he what he does. Standing going into last season, I think it was, or, or or during spring practice or something, he ripped his Achilles. I do know that. And then he got COVID like seven times. Like he had COVID like at every turn uh, there, like for a calendar year, it seemed like. And I was like, man, Monk has got COVID again. You're hearing all this stuff behind the scenes. And there are some people – out there in the sports world, maybe on this beat, maybe not. Not going to talk about it. They love reporting stuff like that because they love being inside baseball. Um, I'm trying not to sit out there and tell everybody, hey, man, the, the guy's just had surgery on his Achilles tendon, the old rascal. Yeah. He's too old to walk downstairs. I'm, I was too old to walk downstairs at like well, 28. <laughs> one thing I will add to that in, in the reason I think part of the Todd reason. Todd Munkin that- drives a hover around, breaking news. Hmm. <laughs> Part, part of the reason that I think that we haven't gotten to know Munkin as well is because of, like you said, COVID, not him having COVID, but the restrictions that, that you know, we haven't, we didn't talk to coordinators in person at, uh, you know, at, I mean, have, have we, have this, this, we got Todd. This fall was the first time that we talked to Todd in Todd, person. Todd, Todd. We got him this summer. Yeah. Yeah. That was I was I was trying to think if we had talked to him in person at all. That was the first time because, um, you know, we got him on Zoom ahead of the 2020 season, on Zoom ahead of the 2020 Peach Bowl. Zoom, 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 Zoom. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. um, Speaking of Todd Munkin, though, there's something I got to bring up. Is it? Is it? Does it pertain to Buster Faulkner? No, it does not. Okay, because that that's my dog's talk. Okay. Here, here we go here. Paul Todd Monkins turf. And I'm going to go ahead and jump into dog stocks too. <laughs> I'm going stock down, stock down on you people. You people who made my job hard when I was somewhere else last year during the college football playoff. Because Todd Munkin, the, the, the sweet man that he is, the, the soft-spoken, kind – a Christian man that he is, but, you know, just he's what a good man. He goes up there and he protects Stetson Bennett and he says, Hey, I know we can win a national title, Stetson Bennett. Mm-hmm. And man, you would have thought, called a shot, he had engineered that he, you would have thought that he engineered like Brexit and the FTX crash and all of those things at once. Because I'm talking about when people found out, when people like when he said it emphatically and he broke, he broke, yo, he crushed dreams because there were people that were like, Kirby's doing this. <laughs> Kirby's doing this. And one day Kirby's going to give way to Munkin and, and everything's going to be better. But then Munkin was like, Stetson's my guy. There's no doubt we can win a championship with him. Yeah. Everybody thought that, oh man. JT Munkin, Daniels is. Definitely going to start against Michigan. Yeah, JT Daniels is Munkin's guy. That's who Munkin's guy is. Um, no, man. 
Stetson was Munkin's guy. Stetson and 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 Munkin told you what Stetson could do. Stetson's done it once. Stetson's got Georgia position to do it twice. Stock down on you people. You caused me a lot of headaches last offseason. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> Palmer, uh you red, you, 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 you silver riches people. Let's keep it offensive. Let's keep it offensive, Palmer. So I'm I'm going stock up on Buster Faulkner. Um, you know, all this conversation about Todd. Great grandson of William Faulkner. <laughs> <laughs> um, all this conversation about Todd, the the guy that I've the unsung hero of this offensive staff is is Buster Faulkner. Um, we heard Stetson talk about him at his Burlesworth acceptance speech, which was you've been looking at my Facebook headlines. I haven't. Did you <laughs> did you write unsung? No, hero? you you wrote a story. You put a story up, and I put it up on Facebook, and I I, I changed the the. The regular headline to an unsung hero headline would because it was about Buster Fogg. The Jake one thing stock up on Jake's ability to write headlines. That's, <laughs> he he told me early in in our time together uh, said, "Hey, I don't know if if I'm good in this business at all, but one thing I know I am good at is is writing a headline." So I try. Um, but but Buster Faulkner, um, you know the unsung hero as Jake called him. Um, in his, you know, smart he- SEO-friendly headline. Um, huge praise for him from Stetson Bennett, both at the Burlesworth um, Awards Ceremony and this past weekend in New York. Um, you know, talked about how he's the level-headed one on the sideline. That, um, They're attached at the hip on the sidelines if you uh, know what you're looking for down there. Yeah, and 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 he's he kind of explained why that is. Um, you know, he doesn't talk to Todd Munkin during the game, um, which was very interesting to me because you know I, you think about coordinator up in the box, quarterback down on the field. Hey, you know, end of the drive, get him on the phone, put him on the headset, whatever. Talk, talk, talk. Stetson said that they don't do that and that they don't need to do that because um, you know. Stetson doesn't want Munkin hearing everything that he has to say during the heat of the moment. And Munkin doesn't want Stetson hearing everything he has to say in the heat of the moment. Um, there there's, you know, those are two very, very passionate guys. Um, and so Buster Faulkner, his ability to Stetson's called it a filter effect. He, his ability to filter what needs to be heard on both sides it's it's really impressive. He said he's the one that puts them through drills. We've seen that a little bit when we've gotten to see some practice. Todd Munkin is the head coach of the offense. He's overseeing everything. Buster Faulkner is is working directly with the quarterbacks, um, even if Munkin has that quarterback coach title. Um, if Todd Munkin were to leave, I think Buster Faulkner is the uh, you know immediate promotion. Um, I, I don't know how much they would want to look around because they've they've kind of found what has worked the last three years. Um, you know, they, they don't want to go back to a Jim Chaney, James Coley type offense. They want to stay in this new era that Todd Munkin has brought them into the last three years. And Buster Faulkner would be it, it would create some continuity there. So um, stock up on Buster Faulkner. Have heard some buzz that he is is a high choice for Georgia Tech in their open offensive coordinator position. Well, surely uh, he will not go to Georgia Tech. That just <laughs> isn't allowed. But stock up on Buster and his um, his offensive coaching ability and his uh, mediation ability too. Well, I mean, Buster Faulkner is like the the deep cut 
that that the real Georgia football fans, the real addicts, you know, they know Buster Faulkner's waiting in the wings to just guide this offense if and when it's necessary. Uh, I'm going to say stock up on this guy right here, Palmer Toms. <laughs> uh, bringing it home. Got that Heisman Trophy framed up behind him. And he was an honorary member of the Heisman House, the only Dogs HQ staffer that has uh, visiting rights to the Heisman House. It's Palmer Toms. Great work. Uh, I know New York is a magical, time, magical place this time of year. And the Heisman is pretty special. As I said, though, it's. I just have a feeling it's going to get a lot less special because I, I'm sure Georgia is going to start to have guys up there every couple years now. Uh, maybe Brock Bowers next season. Maybe it's uh, one of these transfer portal guys that we talked about. We saw Caleb Williams do that. Um, and that was the interesting thing to me about this whole Heisman deal. Out of the guys that were there, it's kind of a little microcosm of the game. You got the guy that transferred, followed his coach, picks up the individual award, but then you got the guy Stetson, doesn't get nearly as many votes as Caleb did. Caleb crushed it, by the way. Everyone knew he was the Heisman Trophy winner. It wasn't even close. Uh, Stetson, the loyal dog, comes back, doesn't pick up all the individual votes that Caleb Williams did, but he still has a lot of goals to accomplish from the team perspective. And it seems like these dogs feel pretty confident with the system they have, what they've done to this point in the year, and uh, and their coaches haven't believed in. So uh, one one thing I'll add there, Wes, um, you you know you said that Stetson still has the you know didn't get the individual award, but still has that team award ahead of him. I thought the interaction and and his reaction to uh, Caleb when during Caleb's acceptance speech. Um, you know, Caleb was up on the stage with the trophy. Uh, you had um, Stetson and Duggan and Stroud all sitting down in the crowd. Um, and he, you know, you, you could tell Caleb was, uh, you know, excited to win the, the individual award. But, you know, like he said, hey, I, I get this one. You three guys get to go play for a college football playoff. And, and um, yeah, you know, I, I think that that's probably if, 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 USC if he trade it if USC makes it to the playoff next year which they had a strong chance to do it this year uh probably will have another strong chance to do it next year and and Caleb Williams might have a strong chance to go back to back although we would have said that about Bryce Young anyway if if George if if USC makes it there I think you're gonna hear him talk about that weekend this past weekend in New York being around those three guys that were playing for a bigger goal. I think you're going to hear him talk about how much he envied that. Even if he was the one that won the individual award, uh, I think that the team reference, the, the yeah. team award is is something that he really um, covets. He also had his own name for Stet, which was Stets. 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 Not, not Stet, not Stet's son, Stets. Let's talk um, about Stets. His uh, host when he visited Georgia. It's pretty yeah. cool couple of unofficial visits there. George was in good shape to get him. They were in really good shape to get him. And, uh, you know, the whole, you know, got to take the good with the bad. And the bad was you lost Caleb Williams. The good was you had to get rid of James Coley to get Todd Marshall. Hmm. And, well, and, and they got Brock Vandegrift, who was at the time committed to where Caleb Oklahoma. ended up committing. Yeah. 
Yeah, no doubt for sure. So that was, yeah, that was big. He had, I believe he had decommitted already before Munkin. Yeah. He decommitted right around the time that the playoff was going on. Um, Brock I think right around the time Georgia was playing in the sugar bowl and, you know, it's somewhere right. maybe new year's day or something like that. And then, uh, yeah, then uh, Todd Monkey comes on a few weeks later. He commits. I uh, hadn't panned out for him yet, but we'll see how that works out in the spring. I um, also want to point out some big-time Palmer homerism going on in the comments over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Who's that? Hi, Mom. Special lady. Nah, you're done. Palmer's life. Palmer's um, adopted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's just a, that's an inside on the road joke. I'm always messing with Palmer. So uh, don't get mama on you, Jake. Uh, appreciate y'all tuning in. No, it's not a game week. National signing day coming up though, and transfer portal news always hopping. You know, you just never know. You don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. Uh, had an idea about Norton going, and that took like two or three days longer than we thought it was going to take. Yeah, so, he held us hostage. He he did, man. He did. Uh, I was ready to make that video and just like waiting, didn't sleep. It was, it was Bill, (laughs) me and Bill Norton, Bill Norton, the old transfer portal tango. Uh, But stay tuned to dogs HQ for that $10 still for a premium membership. Uh, Fun weeks ahead. They can't always be Heisman trophy weeks, but national signing day is pretty special. Transfer portal is pretty special. And I know some bonehead on, National talk sports hot take TV will say something about Stetson Bennett or Kirby Smart that we'll get to write about in the next couple of weeks, too. Um, it's inevitable. It's what college football playoff time is all about. And we got bowl season. I mean, there's stuff. There's always stuff. Always time to talk about the dogs. And I also want to say uh, sorry to the GHSA uh, victims at Georgia State, top to bottom. And I do want to, I, I mean, I know we've already mentioned it, but, um, you know, again, thoughts and prayers out to the pirate, uh, fight hard, dude, better place for you in it. We, we, we in the media do love our Mike Leach. And, uh, even if some of his players get a little frustrated with him from time (laughs) to time, um, we do love him. And, uh, uh, you know, we need a, we need a man that looks like an old Vince Gill walking around and, uh, he's the best candidate. We're big fans of that guy, uh, pulling for him for sure. Thank you all for joining us tonight. We will catch you the next time that we catch you. Peace.